Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Hahn, and this is episode 41 of the podcast, Guided Self-Healing, Fearless Living. And today's date for me is March 31st, 2022. So again, I want to invite you just to, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not driving in a car, just take a few deep breaths. Even if you are driving in a car, take a few deep breaths. If you're not driving in a car, you may just want to really pause and shift and center and just bring your attention really here for the time we're together. And this podcast, I think, will be a little bit shorter. And we're going to continue on our journey of the one-hour miracle, which uh, for me on March 31st, it's very exciting because the publication date is actually on April 5th, so it's uh, less than a week away, and uh, it's very exciting for us. And if you haven't bought the book, it's called The One-Hour Miracle, and uh, just remember that miracles really are not just about the literal meaning in the Bible of something that's seemingly uh, beyond anything rational, but it's really about gaining freedom from your suffering. And every time you do anything to gain freedom from your suffering, it's a little miracle. And sometimes the miracles actually look like miracles because very dramatic things happen. And sometimes they don't look quite so dramatically miraculous, but they're miracles nonetheless. So we're up to chapter five of the book. And chapter five is about uh, trauma and protection. And why is it important to know that sometimes your problems are the reliving of a trauma and sometimes your problems are the reliving of the way you protect yourself from making sure the trauma never happens again, even if it limits you a lot, because symptoms can be either and or both. So let's look at some examples and we'll know why it's different, but the real reason, the big picture difference is if you're reliving a trauma, essentially what you need to do is find the being who's traumatized in that moment, which will be a discomfort, and let them share their story. And then they may say that they need something more than just sharing their story, at which point you provide for them whatever it is that they need. But let's suppose you're not reliving the trauma, but the way you're protecting yourself from ever experiencing it again, because you're afraid to ever experience it again. Then you're really, what you're going to find when you find the sensation is not the traumatized one, but the choice that the traumatized one made to protect themselves, it will feel like a kind of protection or an armor or a dense energy to make sure that they never experience it again. And in that case, the key is not just finding the trauma and choosing to relive it while you bear witness and hold that person. It's to help that person realize that they made a choice and that they can now make a different choice because they don't have to worry anymore about reliving the trauma because we may have already taken care of the trauma or because it's no longer relevant. So uh, when life calls for us to handle the protection and the protector and the one who's choosing the protection, you do a very different process. So what's the difference? Again, in the first case, let's be really clear about this. If you have a trauma and you're reliving the trauma, 
when you focus on the suffering that will be associated with the symptoms that are an outgrowth of the trauma, you'll feel a discomfort in your body. And when you feel the discomfort, you'll say, discomfort, you teach us, what have you come to share? Where are you beginning? And what's happening? And it will share its story. If, however, you're in a situation where you're reliving the protection from the trauma, you'll feel that in the body. And really, you can ask the same questions. What have you come to share? Where is this beginning? What's happening? But what you'll find out is that you'll get a story where the person is going to say, I am making sure I never experience what happened to me again. And I'm choosing to uh, limit myself so that I never went into that situation again. And of course, at that point, like I said, the key is to say, you don't have to still make that choice. That's something that happened in your past or in another lifetime even, and it's no longer relevant. So you can make a different choice. So let's give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about, which I'm gonna make up off the top of my head. Let's suppose someone <clears throat> can't leave their house. Like, and you know, whenever they get scared, they run into a dark closet. Well, let's suppose you're reliving a trauma. And let's suppose in another lifetime, um, you were thrown into a well and you died in the bottom of the well. Well, um, there'd be a lot of a fear associated with that. And there would be a, a reliving of the trauma by when, you, when you're scared, you uh, go into the closet and you're actually reliving being thrown into the well. You're not living a protection. I know it's a funny example, but can I tell you, uh, sometimes funny things come off the top of the head, but I think you get the idea. But let's uh, take a different example. Let's suppose it's a beautiful sunny day and you're three years old in a car, you know, you have a ball and it goes out into the street and you run out into the street and you nearly get run over by a truck and you get totally scared and you run into your house wanting to get as far away from sunshine and balls and freedom and everything and you run into the house and you hide in the closet right well then you might come in and you might say you know it's really funny what i noticed that and the people around me noticed that i'm really you know my agoraphobia when i start to tell you about hiding in the closet i noticed that literally i hide in the closet or figuratively i hide in the closet when I want to be who I truly am. So I don't want to come out of the closet because if I am who I truly am, I might get uh, annihilated. And of course, that's why people stay in the closet if they're afraid. I mean, if you think literally when you say coming out of the closet, you know, if they say who I am is unacceptable, the best way to protect myself is to go into a closet where no one can get to me. So very different circumstances, obviously. Or if we take the examples in the book, we had two examples of depression. And in one of them, when the person found the depression, which was to be weighed down, helpless, hopeless, and they couldn't move, when they really found that story, they were in a story where the depression was that they were literally weighed down, helpless, hopeless, and they couldn't move because they were in the French Revolution and they were about to be guillotined. And in the story, they couldn't move anything except for their neck. So their depression was the reliving of the trauma. But in the second case, it wasn't the reliving of the trauma. It was reliving the protection. And in that story, of course, what happened was 
the very small boy wanted to give his father a very special present. And the father not only didn't receive the present, but pushed the boy away and left. And the boy hadn't even realized this, but he said, I can't, I have to not care about this. That was his internal experience. I have to deaden myself because it's too painful. So in that case, of course, the depression was um, the reliving of a protection from the pain of um, having to deal with the fact that it was annihilating, it was overwhelming to have his father walk out on him when he had given him this gift. The, The feelings were too powerful, so he had to deaden them. And of course, if you deaden the feelings, that's what depression is. It's a kind of death. But really, um, it was just too painful to experience the living experience of how much hurt there was. Or let's suppose you're constipated, right? Well, constipation could be a reliving of a story of being poisoned, at which point it would be the reliving of the story. And so you eat something a little bit off and suddenly you have a horrific constipation because it's helping you remember traumatic death in another lifetime from being poisoned. But alternatively, let's suppose that you're a little child again, and uh, you are in the car and you're with your father and you need to go to the bathroom. And um, your father says, hold it, and you can't hold it. So you uh, soil yourself. And then your father yells at you for soiling yourself and not being able to hold it. And from then on, literally and figuratively, you say, I can never let myself go. I can never literally let myself go because it's associated with being humiliated and shamed. So I'm going to have to hold everything back. I'm going to have to stay constipated both physically and emotionally. But the constipation, of course, isn't the problem. It's the protection from the sense of if I really let go, I will be humiliated and that's unacceptable. So I'm going to try to give you certain examples of what we're talking about. Now, the reason this is important is we can always be grateful for any of our symptoms because they're trying to help us heal and grow. So even when we're reliving a trauma, we could say, well, you've shown up in my life to try to help me master something. In that sense, we could be grateful that it's here to help us heal and grow. But it's not that we're being grateful because it's protecting us. We're just being grateful and uh, universal sense because everything can help us heal and grow. But let's take the second example. And in the second example, of course, we really are grateful for our symptoms because they are protecting us at some cost to them. You know, it's like calling in a protector and it says, all right, I'll become dense and I'll protect you. I will cover over who you really are because you can't be who you really are. It's too dangerous. So I'll become a dense energy and I will make sure that you get to hide and stay hidden behind that dense energy. So in that case, what we do is it's a very different experience when it tells you that that's what it is. And of course we can do, we can determine it if we know how to do that. But even if you don't, if you ask and it sounds like that, you can say, thank you so much because constipation, you protected me or uh, depression, you protected me. But I don't need you anymore. So I'm going to, uh, since I asked you to come in, I can choose to have you leave because I can witness you now. I don't, I don't believe I am you anymore. 
gain perspective. And I can choose to bring you outside of me and witness you from the outside, because from the point of view of the witness, you're already outside of me. I can notice you as, as that young man said, this heavy, wet, dense feeling of oatmeal in chest. Well, when we choose to bring our attention there, it's not who we are. It's just something that we can bear witness to and hold. And we can actually thank it and have it use our consciousness or our hands or whatever and bring it out, which is bringing out not only the protection, but the person who, without awareness, was choosing to bring the protection in. And then, of course, what we can do is we can heal it by channeling light into it. And that heals, that transforms the protection into love a kind of loving protection, and it heals the one who made the choice. And then, of course, what you'll find is you feel spacious inside because you just took out this dense energy. And you could say hidden, waiting to be found, was the truer self that was in hiding because it was unsafe to come out, and then we can invite it out. We find it in the body. We feel it in the body. We put our hands lovingly where it's been held, and we say, come on out. Come forward and touch my hand and go forward and back and left and right and up and down until I become that truer self. And it gets to keep all of uh, its wonder and its authenticity, but it also gets to have all of the experiences you've ever had since then. So it's also gained discernment and wisdom. And then when the situation comes up again, you can say, I've already had that experience. I don't have to shut myself down. So, distinctions between the reliving of trauma and reliving of the protection of trauma. And of course, we'll talk about this in much more detail later, but just to get the general notion is really important. And having said that, I invite you, you know, to find any, anything that you can find and to ask, you know, the sensation when you're doing your own healing work, are you the traumatized one or are you the one who's protecting the traumatized one and believe me the sensation will tell you and depending on what it tells you sometimes it will say it's both at which point you'll get the traumatized one and the protector and uh, um, if it's but if there's protection there thank it bring it outside channel energy and you will take care of the protector and you'll take care of the one who needed it and you'll find who you truly are which is a great or do it by the practice. But not if you're in the car. <laughs> Wait till you get home. Anyway, having said that, uh, you can always reach me. I hope you buy the book. It's called The One Hour Miracle. If you want to reach me, uh, all you have to do is write to me at A Han, A H A H N, at lifecenteredtherapy.com. And if you want to do our training, we have just created a beautiful online training uh, that anybody can do. Um, and we're going to have online training for people who really want to learn this in depth, and we're going to have it for people who want to learn it more simply, and all of that's available to you. And it's all at our website, lifecenteredtherapy.com, so you can go there. And meanwhile, I wish you a good day. I wish you great healing, and I wish you freedom from suffering. Until I see you again, be well.